Want a better life? Then you need better sleep. And if you want better sleep, you need the Dream Cloud Hybrid Mattress with five layers of comfort, support, and cooling for the sleep you deserve. Order your Dream Cloud Hybrid Mattress today and get $799 in savings and accessories with your purchase. Enjoy free shipping and returns, a lifetime warranty, and a 365-night trial. Visit dreamcloudsleep.com today to experience your better life on a Dream Cloud. Help your four-year-old find joy in learning. Waterford Upstart is a proven effective pre-K learning program that includes fun songs, games, and activities that prepare your child for success in school. We provide all the tools you need to help your child learn to read, including a coach, a computer, and internet access. And because it's already paid for, it's free for you. Enroll today at waterfordupstart.org. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. I would like to start with a thanks to everybody, so yourself, everyone who's listening, thank you very much. Uh, We are in the top 100 on iTunes for History Podcasts, so that's fantastic, and I've had over a thousand downloads in the last two weeks. So I just want to say thank you to everybody for that, you've all done me a massive favour, and I'm glad everyone's happy listening so without further ado we are going to get on with this week's show and for this week we will be covering the liberation of Auschwitz uh, and a bit of the history around Auschwitz as well so Auschwitz was actually liberated on the 26th of January 1945 so the towards the end of the the second world war Auschwitz is actually located in southwest Poland and it's a little town there called Auschwitz So, when Auschwitz was originally founded, it was founded in 1940, and later in during the war, there was a second camp built at Auschwitz, which is the more famous one, which was known as Auschwitz-Birkenau, or Auschwitz II. So, Auschwitz I was the first camp, which uh, actually was founded by Captain Rudolf Hoss, and he founded the camp Auschwitz I, and it was created on the remains of an old Polish army barracks. So the original plans for Auschwitz, it was only designed to hold 10,000 political prisoners. And that was pretty much it. It wasn't designed to hold Jews. It wasn't designed to hold gypsies or anything else. It was literally designed as a 10,000 maximum capacity political prisoner prison camp. So the army barracks was transformed into Auschwitz one and it obviously became predominantly the biggest and most notorious Nazi death camp throughout the Second World War. Now Auschwitz itself there was actually one point one million people um, or more that died in Auschwitz, which is actually more than the total of the American and the British losses during the first uh, sorry during the Second World War. So that just puts it into context how many people actually died there. You know, more died there 
than British soldiers and American soldiers put together. So what makes Auschwitz, uh, one of the most famous things about Auschwitz is, is the gates, the iron gates at the front of Auschwitz 1, where the motto Arbeit macht frei, or Arbeit mach frei, was put across the gate. Now that is the motto from another concentration camp, um, which was called Dachau, which was actually the first German concentration camp during the war. Now, Arbeit Mark Frey translates to work makes you free, which is obviously something that never really happened in Auschwitz. So the conditions of Auschwitz 1 was very, very bad. Um, it was unbelievable how the the Polish political prisoners were, were treated at the camp and over half of the 23,000 prisoners that were sent to Auschwitz 1 died within the first 20 months of being there. So there were a lot of things that the Nazis didn't like about these political prisoners. Mainly they had opposing opinions. And that was pretty much enough in Nazi Germany to get yourself arrested and sent to one of these camps. Now, they used to torture these political prisoners. Uh, one of the main ways of torture was known as the hook, where they would stand you up on a stool, put your arms behind your back, tied together, and lean you forwards and your arms were then placed on a hook uh, at that point someone would run up and boot the stall from under your feet and you'd be left hanging with pretty much your, your arms broken out of their sockets so not a nice way and they, they would leave these prisoners there for two three days without food and water and and obviously in these conditions you can imagine why half of them ended up dying within the first 20 months so Auschwitz predominantly was selected by Rudolf Hess as um, a camp due to its location in Poland. So Auschwitz is actually located on a lake um, and this lake has uh, an abundance of obviously water and it has an abundance of lime as well. Uh, local to Auschwitz were coal mines. So coal, water and lime were essential to rubber making. So basically key elements in what would become one of the main sources of or one of the main materials to be sourced for the German war machine. So there was actually a company in Germany at the time called IG Farben who had planned on building a new factory there to allow because of the abundance of the natural materials that were in the area and allow them to progress their synthetic rubber making skills and, and obviously fund the German army through that. So Auschwitz obviously ended up basically being a camp for slave labour and that was pretty much the gist of it. Now at the start of this Heinrich Himmler uh, was notorious uh, the leader of the SS uh, during in the Nazi party during the Second World War. Now Heinrich Himmler actually visited Auschwitz one at the start of the progression and obviously when he found out that uh, IG Farben had you know planned on moving to the area um, he went into the camp and he, he said you know we need to we need to make this bigger 10,000 isn't enough we want a capacity of 30,000 prisoners here and that slave labor will create the the workforce for IG Farben and that will mean that we we get our rubber and we can carry on with the war and that was pretty much the the plans um to to sort of expand that and from that 
the plans for Auschwitz II or Auschwitz-Birkenau were then introduced. Uh, and in 1941, uh, Germany invaded Russia. Now this, obviously, when they invaded Russia, this created a wave of new prisoners for the Germans. Now, at the time, uh, Russia were communists, uh, communists and fascists from the Nazi party. They were two very, very different ends of the political spectrum. And Soviets, at the time, were seen by the Nazis as probably the worst type of people on the world. Um, that and Jews. So if you were a Soviet Jew, then you were pretty much the bottom of the pile below sort of rats, dogs and things like that. They really look down upon these people so the ability to for them to walk into Russia and progress through Russia cre taking prisoners as they went along created over 3 million Soviet prisoner of wars and this obviously a lot of these were taken to Auschwitz now out of the 3 million prisoner of wars that were taken at the start of this invasion uh, actually 2 million of them died very very quickly mainly due to starvation so the Germans sort of thought well we've taken them we don't want them so we're going to starve them to death and that was that was the plan most Jews at this time um, were actually killed with firing squads so what you may not know um, in regards to the, the Jews at this time in Europe as the Nazis moved through Eastern Europe they they weren't immediately sent to these camps they were actually going into towns and rounding up the Jews, taking them to a clearing in the woods, making them dig a huge pit, lining them up and, and shooting them. Men, women, children, they were all told to undress and then they were just shot into the pits. Uh, and they were killed for no other reason than the fact that they were Jewish. So it Auschwitz became... A killing machine for the first time um, during this this time because obviously what was happening in Auschwitz was uh, the prisoners were being kept as as prisoners and being used as slave labor now Germany actually implemented in 1939 a euthanasia program for disabled men women and children and what they did they took these people to a clinic and they were gassed with carbon monoxide so this euthanasia program extended to the camps so what they did they, uh, the Auschwitz prisoners uh, to the first Auschwitz prisoners should I say to actually be gassed for, for death were actually not gassed in Auschwitz they were taken from Auschwitz to Germany and 575 people were chosen and they were killed basically not because they were Jewish or communist, they were purely killed just because they couldn't work and they were ill. So this method of killing was seen by the Germans as a, a better way to kill people, mainly due to the fact that the soldiers doing the killings on a daily basis, shooting victims in the back of the head, it was taking its toll on the German soldiers. I mean, heaven forbid the German soldiers were getting a little bit upset by this, but that's that's the way they saw it. They they didn't want the soldiers to witness their victims when they were shot, and that's why the plans were to kill with these gas chambers. 
Uh, unfortunately for the Germans, carbon monoxide was very expensive. So the first methods of these gas chambers actually were pipes that were connected to the exhausts of vans and cars and pumped into airtight rooms, basically, where the people inside would slowly die. So more methods were basically being experimented to kill prisoners from this. You know, they realized that it's a very slow procedure to do it with a, a lorry or a van and you could only get a certain amount of people in a room to do this. So they uh, ended up trialing a pesticide called Zyklon B, which is uh, crystallized prussic acid. Now, this acid, like I said, is an, an insecticide. And once it was released into the air, it would turn into a gas. And then the gas was obviously poisonous, and from there it would it would kill. And uh, with Auschwitz one, they actually took Block Eleven. Now, Block Eleven was infamous in Auschwitz one for being probably the worst block. If you were sent to Block Eleven, you knew you were going to die. And what they did the to trial this Zyklon B, they they ended up sealing off all the doors and the windows putting the prisoners in the basement and pouring it in through a hatch. When they got down there the following day, they realised that the Zyklon B had killed most of the people, but not everyone, in which case they left, poured more in and, and killed everyone in the block. And they realised from then that actually Zyklon B is a lot cheaper and a lot easier to to use than carbon monoxide. So, as you can see, the, the final solution was what Germany was now called the final solution which was the extermination of the Jewish communities and the Jewish people the final solution was actually taking place now they were starting to realize how they could do it and how they could pretty much get away with it towards the end of 1941 and the start of 1942 and the new camp at Auschwitz-Birkenau was to be built in this time towards the end of 1941 to the start of 1942. Birkenau was created with the row of barracks that I'm sure everybody's famous for, they're famous for seeing, and these barracks were actually designed originally to hold 500 people per barrack. When the Germans realised this was not enough, then they didn't have the space to do that. They actually increased it to 744 per barrack. So these barracks were not designed to house people, but they were designed to break people. They were designed to make people die, basically. They weren't designed for, for living in, they were designed for dying in. And Birkenau was designed for Soviet prisoner of wars at first like I said obviously the Germans took in 3 million Soviet prisoner of wars at the, the start of oh, Operation Barbarossa which was when the Germans attacked Russia and it wasn't necessarily designed for Jews at the first instance now the Jews actually were transported a lot of Jews were transported from their homes they were transported to what was called ghettos yeah, ghettos um, I'm sure most people are aware of the term ghetto, but during the Second World War, these ghettos were slums where only Jewish people were sent to. And Jews, almost by coincidence, ended up at Auschwitz-Birkenau in September 1941. So in September 1941, Hamburg was bombed by the British, and a lot of 
Hamburg Hamburgians Hamburgies Germans who lived in Hamburg were actually lost their homes you know they they lost their homes and they they had nowhere to live their houses were destroyed and it was decided then that the Jews of Hamburg and the Jews of Germany would be sent to these ghettos and to the concentration camps so that the Aryan Germans by Aryan I mean the normal Germans non-Jewish Germans were then told that they could have the Jewish houses and these Jews were then sent away in private obviously the extermination of the Jews was called for and the Jews were transported from that so the, the private talks obviously meant that yeah we are sending them away but in reality they're not coming back and um, I mean the Nazis the Nazis hated the Jews Hitler if anybody's ever read Mein Kampf Mein Kampf is Hitler's personal book where he outlines his belief of a superior German race where he believes that the Germans were superior to everybody on the planet and that Jews were not and Jews were seen as you know the the scum of the earth they also a lot of Germans during the second world war actually blamed the Jews for the loss of the first world war now I don't think necessarily they, they blamed the Jews for the loss of the first world war but what was happening in Germany during the first world war is Germany were losing the first world war and because the a lot of the, the Jewish population at that time were quite high up in the government they were quite high up in the media Germany used propaganda quite well during the First World War and a lot of Germans at home believed that Germany were winning the First World War and therefore when they surrendered they blamed the Jewish community because the Jews were the ones that told them that they were winning and then they obviously found out they hadn't won they'd lost the First World War and this hatred for the Jews especially from people like Hitler who actually fought in the First World War they had this hatred anyway and then it was just rifled and made worse by the fact that they actually blamed the Jews for losing the First World War in reality they had nothing to do with it and you know Jews were shipped from all over Europe at this time Germany had pretty much conquered most of mainland Europe and they were shipping Jews from all over Europe to German concentration camps as slave labourers so this was the reason and the start was to ship them for slave labour obviously like I said in private there was look these guys aren't coming back so they were told pack your things you're moving east that was it Jews were now central to the future of Auschwitz so Hearst realised that obviously these the Jewish community and the Jews were actually being sent to these concentration camps and for Auschwitz to survive and for Auschwitz to carry on the Jews would become you know the, a main part of that and two miles away from Auschwitz one was where they built um, Birkenau and two miles from Birkenau was where they built well where they actually found makeshift gas chambers now these gas chambers were actually just cottages that were left just abandoned and the Germans used these they, one was called the little red house one was called the little white house and in these two little cottages tens of thousands of people 
were killed using Zyklone B. So the doors and windows were sealed. Again, there was a hatch and Zyklone B was fed fed through the hatch. As you can imagine, the cleanup duty of tens of thousands of people being murdered was was not a, a good job to have and it actually fell to Jewish inmates or Jewish prisoners which were known as the Sonder Commando and did, whilst the Jews were being murdered in this these cottages the Sonder Commando were basically told to take the bodies out and to, to bury the bodies. Now although obviously the cottages were serving a purpose, the concept that the Germans had for killing the Jews was greater than what these cottages could allow them to do and this led to basically what Auschwitz became famous for which was the the gas chambers and the Nazis basically from then on began to scour Europe and all the places that they'd taken over in search of more Jews to murder um, they even went as far, which this actually shocked me, they even went as far as the Channel Islands, so the British Channel Islands of Jersey and Guernsey, and three women from Jer- from Guernsey um, actually died at Auschwitz. Now this shocked me, because I didn't think they ever got to Britain. Obviously, they did. They, you know, they, they took three, three women from, from our islands, and, and they died in Auschwitz. So, it was even said that at this time Heinrich Himmler actually visited Auschwitz to witness the progress of the camp, how it was getting on. He even witnessed the gas chambers for the first time and he was so pleased with what he saw, he actually promoted Hearst to SS Lieutenant Colonel and obviously the promotion came with more money, more prestige and obviously that's one of the things that made him very very famous. Later that year, in September 1942, Hearst actually witnessed and then implemented field crematorium units, so cremations outside, basically, to dispose of bodies that were piling up. So, I mean, as you can imagine, before this, they had very limited crematorium at Auschwitz, and, you know, the bodies were being buried in piling up, the smell of bodies, and the the rotting flesh and soil and everything that was sort of get going bad they had to do something to get rid of these bodies and that's what they did they had open air crematoriums and the basement of the mortuaries were also turned into gas chambers and crematoriums as well so this was towards the end of 6 uh, sorry the end of 42 and to going into spring of 1943 that was when the first gas chambers at Auschwitz, the famous gas chambers, were actually introduced. Now, what also happened along this this time frame was uh, the introduction of one of the most notorious German war criminals ever into Auschwitz was uh, Dr. Joseph Mengele. And uh, Mengele was, was known as the Angel of Death, and he was famous for very deadly experiments mainly on children and especially twins so a lot of twins were actually known as Mengele twins when they came off the trains he was also the man who ordered the sick to the gas chambers so he would go to the hospitals at Auschwitz and decide 
whether you were fit enough to go back to work or whether you were just to be killed. His his research into twins was basically to find a gene that would allow Germans to double their birth rate. So obviously at this time Germany wanted the Aryan race, they wanted their own perfect race and his ability if he could find a way that Germans could reproduce but have twins instead of just one they would double in the birth rate and that was pretty much the gist of what he was what he was aiming to do so doesn't sound too sinister that however his experiments were vile um he had experiments where he would amputate limbs in experiments where he would infect one of the twins with a disease and leave the other one unaffected just to see if their immune system was different. He actually ended up killing thousands this way. And what made it worse was the, the rule they had was once one twin had died, the other twin was taken directly to be killed. And both twins were then autopsied by Mengele to see if he could find anything so you know he was a, an absolutely disgusting human being and he did some some of the most horrendous work in Auschwitz and in 1943 Auschwitz basically became the killing ground that it was famous or infamous for March 1943 the new gas chambers and crematoriums were opened and by 1944, so not even a year, 550,000 people had been murdered at Auschwitz. And in the spring of 1944, in other words, in a two or three month period, that number was increased to 850,000 people. So that's nearly a million people killed in a year and a half. I mean, you can't even imagine being put into a train cattle boxes they weren't even you know they weren't even given train properly they were just cattle boxes on a train track and then as you arrived at Auschwitz the men women children all separated each group was selected to be taken the old the injured the lame the children especially the children were just taken out and killed there and then taken straight to these chambers they were stripped told they were going for a shower and murdered and on average 75% of the people that got off those trains were killed straight away I mean you can't even imagine that sort of just that sort of barbaric disgusting behavior anything it's just you can't even put it into words how how disgusting it was um for a german for an ss soldier being posted at auschwitz on the other hand was fantastic you know they weren't fighting they didn't have to deal with the cold in siberia they didn't have to deal with the cold in the east they didn't have to deal with the growing pressure from the west with america joining the war they had their pick of any jewels money anything that came in with the prisoners they could take you know they had their own way with the women they, they could do what they wanted i mean it was prohibited that they stole from the jewish 
prisoners because obviously the money was designed to go towards the German war effort but in reality the inventory of these products and these items and money and brooches and jewellery and everything like that the inventory wasn't done until after the soldiers had been through all the clothes anyway so the the inventory was done after that so there was no way of knowing whether anyone had taken anything and it's quite you know for for a german it was probably one of the best places to be barring the fact that you had to deal with and i'm hoping they had to deal with the mental side to it i mean if they didn't have to deal with the mental side to it they you know i don't know how they i don't you just to me you just wouldn't even be able to sleep at night i'd rather be on the western front but they did and you know each gas chamber they had four germans to each gas chamber and again the sonderkommando they had a hundred jews to each gas chamber who worked the gas chambers and they didn't have a choice you know these guys were there if they didn't do it they were killed there and then there was no choice and to me that's probably one of the most shocking things was the fact that they they the jews actually had to clean up their own dead and put them in the crematoriums themselves and the stench and the smell and everything like that they had to do that and and a lot of these people they they probably knew some of the people that they were throwing into the fires and throwing into the crematorium and and they, there was nothing they could do about it they just had to do it otherwise they would have been been killed themselves um i mean inside these gas chambers i don't know if anyone's ever seen a picture of them if you ever get to have a look hopefully this is somewhere where i'm going to visit as you know before i die this is one of the places that's on my my list of of things to do before i die i have to go to auschwitz and just stand there and just imagine what it was like and hope that something like this is never repeated in history but in the middle of these gas chambers was columns wire columns where the zyklon b was dropped into and although they would never make the sonder commando drop the, the the crystals in they had to deal with the aftermath of it you know the germans the nazis would always commit the murder but they had to deal with the aftermath of the bodies and you know one of the things that goes missing with auschwitz and i think people don't realize is it was subject to many types of punishment you know there was torture there was the doctors the experiments there was the constant beatings and there was also another type of punishment which i wasn't aware of until i actually looked into it and and this was that of a brothel um and there was a brothel that actually worked in auschwitz one just past the gate so just as you walk past the sign that says work makes you free you had a brothel where women jewish women were working and non-jewish prisoners only non-jewish prisoners were able to be rewarded for things that they may or may not have done i think it was done as a, a an incentive to to get them to work harder and to get them to maybe not fight back 
and uh, you mean these women had to work seven nights a week they were mainly in their 20s and this went on for for years on average there would be six to eight men a night you know I mean you can't even comprehend the emotional I mean let alone the the physical damage but the emotional damage that would have been done to these people and you know Auschwitz it was one of the the main German concentration camps it went from a basic camp for Polish political prisoners to being the biggest death camp in the Nazi state and it was finally liberated like I said on the 27th of January 1945 by the Soviet Red Army as they came into Poland now it was estimated that in Auschwitz over 1.3 million people were sent to Auschwitz over that the period it was estimated that 1.1 over 1.1 million people died at Auschwitz and out of these 1.1 million people 960,000 of these were Jewish and around 865,000 of the 960,000 Jewish were actually gassed on arrival so I mean only 95,000 Jewish inmates who died actually made it past the train you know they got off the train 865,000 as soon as they arrived were, were murdered I mean I can't even imagine 865,000 it's just unbelievable I mean 74,000 non-Jewish Polish prisoners were murdered there 21,000 gypsies were murdered there that's another thing people don't realise is how persecuted the Poles and the gypsies were you know gypsies are not they weren't very common there wasn't millions of gypsies around 21,000 is a big chunk of, of their population 15,000 Soviet prisoner of wars were murdered 15,000 other Europeans were also murdered at Auschwitz I mean 1.1 million I can't even put into words how 1.1 million people if you were if you were just to imagine that amount of people gone for nothing other than their political or their religious belief I mean it, it's disgusting it's just and, and I hope something like this never ever repeats itself and they do say history repeats itself but you know when you look at the facts and you look at the stories behind it you just you just hope this never happens again and I mean to put it into perspective 1.1 million people if we were to take one minute silence for every single victim that died at Auschwitz we would be silent for 694 days that's nearly two years I mean I can't be silent for two minutes but a minute just one minute for every person killed at Auschwitz that's nearly two years I mean that's 
that's just perspective on how how many people actually were murdered and brutally murdered in ways that history should never ever forget and I do hope that from this episode I know it's a bit more of a a depressing episode than the last one I know the last one was about death as well um, but I mean I, I hope you've learned something from this and I hope people do realise the atrocities that were were committed here and you know I hope to you know you all have learned something from this and hopefully we can make sure that history you know never is forgotten and I do hope that Auschwitz and the horrors of the Holocaust are never forgotten by anybody for me personally it's a it's a huge thing um, I'm not Jewish myself but growing up my two best friends were Jewish were Jewish are Jewish I spent many Passovers at their family learned a lot about Jewish traditions and for me the Holocaust is one of the most under talked about things in history because I don't think we can talk about it enough I think it's something that should never ever be forgotten and I do hope that I've done it justice with this episode and I'm sure they'll they'll let me know and I do hope that everyone's enjoyed the episode and um, same as always if you do need to contact me or you there's any questions anything you want to know then please contact me we are on Facebook at this week in history and I do have a email address which is twihpod at gmail.com feel free to message me anything same thing I say to anybody who listens to my podcasts all of these are factually correct and if there is anything that you want to take out of this for any university coursework any history work that you are doing at school or for your own personal benefit please feel free you know that's what it's there for I'm doing it as an educational thing for everybody and hopefully teaching people some things they may or may not know about history and uh like I said, please contact me. If there's any shows you want to hear, anything you want to know more about, then please get in touch. And just remember, everybody, we all have history. Please make yours great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Stay cool this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bundling car and renter's insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? Look for the signs. Chances are they live in a home and have a car. They use money and enjoy having more of it. They probably drink lots of lemonade. Mmm, lemonade. And they've probably said something suspicious like, I'm bundling with GEICO or stop spying on me with those binoculars. If so, you may want to ask them how easy it was to bundle with GEICO. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. 
And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love.